Hello, welcome to the Comparative Agility Podcast. My name is Simon Hilton, and in this series we'll be talking with world leaders in agility to help understand how we can make continuous improvement a part of your company's DNA. In this episode, we talk with Johanna Rothman and Mark Kilby about agile distributed teams. This is a very special episode in light of the recent pandemic and how a lot of companies are being forced to make teams remote. But are they ready? Johanna and Mark give us a guide with their eight principles for distributed teams. And here we are. Welcome, Johanna and Mark. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Good to be here. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm really excited for this, uh, for this topic of the comparative agility uh, series, um, particularly with what's going on in the world lately. And you know, personally, you know, in the companies that I work with, that uh, distributed agile teams are becoming more and more important um, and is more common in, 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 our, in our organization. So just tell me quickly, how did you come to working on this, this body of work? Okay. Thank you, you, Mark. <laughs> so, so Mark, Mark already had a reputation as a thought leader in this space. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I had had a lot of distributed team work back in, or even in the eighties, but not a lot of agile work. And every time I led a workshop about here's how you could do it, people would say. Uh, it's not working for me. <clears throat> I have people <clears throat> all over the East Coast and the West Coast. We're supposed to collaborate with people in India. And, mm-hmm. and Agile, was it 2017, Mark, or 18? Mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said, okay, it's time for me to write a book about this. Mm-hmm. I saw Mark walking back from, we were, it was Friday morning, the last se- sessions of the conference. And I said, Mark, want to write a book? <laughs> and Mark said, absolutely. <laughs> it, 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 took, it, took me, it took me about half a millisecond to really think it over. And, yep, then, yep, and then I said, yep, yeah. 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 Um, and and, and um, Johanna was being kind saying I had a reputation. I had a reputation for talking a lot about distributed agile mm-hmm. because uh, where I was at the time was uh, while I had, well, let me back up a little bit. While I had worked with many team organizations where you might have a few people remote or clusters of people, I, at this time, it was the first time I was in an organization where everybody was remote working out of their, their homes. Yeah. And so I was, I was telling my manager at the time, it's like, you know, I have to get out there. I have to talk to people about this and see what they're doing. Well, nothing came back. <laughs> so, so that's how I, I got to be known uh, as, as the distributed agile person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, that's, and that's when uh, Johanna and I started talking more and said, okay, we, we need to write about this. And over time, has this been something you've seen clearly evolve? I mean, was it at the beginning when you were talking about it, people saying that's absolutely heresy. How could you, you know, talk about this versus what we know today? Oh, yes. But fortunately, I, I have a long history of doing things I shouldn't. Yep. So uh, my, 
early agile experiences were with uh, teams that were not supposed to be agile. So I, uh -huh. I worked for uh, U.S. Department of Defense, which had a lot of security issues, and you mm -hmm. couldn't bring certain things into certain spaces. I can't say more, yeah. or we'd have to shoot the audience. You know, I yeah. can't. You know, but, <laughs> but um, I can imagine. Yeah, but but we started applying agile concepts and, and principles, and it worked, and it worked very well. Mm -hmm. And a funny thing is, warfighters understood inspect and adapt. Something about mm -hmm. bullets flying past you, you're yeah. going to adapt to that situation. <laughs> um, so doing, doing this work for uh, with distributed agile teams was not that much different. It was kind of pushing the boundaries, what's possible. For truly agilist, we should be able to inspect and adapt if the environment supports it. Yeah. And especially in the last 10 years, the technology, in the last five in particular, the technology has really improved uh, to the point where we can have conversations with anyone in the world at, at any time, like, like we are having right now. Yep. And so why can't you pair program? Why can't you mob program that way? Why can't you have a large planning session? And you can. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really, really important point. And especially, and it's not just in this field that we're talking about here, but the advances of technology over the last 10 years have allowed um, inspect and adapt and, and kind of servant leadership and, and all those kinds of things to really come to bear. I mean, one I always talk about is the flow of information uh, these days. Um, the person on the front line usually has the most up-to-date information when things right. are operating 24 hours continuously. So there's no time for it to travel up in the pyramid and down. Um, okay. And in similar to the case that you're talking about, the technology that you have in video conferencing it's, and, and even just kind of ticket management software mean that we can, we can collaborate virtually and like that much better. Now, and, and when you have a virtual team, they can all be on the, the front line in, yep. in a sense. Yes. They can all get that information at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. So let's move forward. Um, so you've you presented you've you've created a bunch of slides for us to go through. So we'll just talk through through these. So distributed teams are the norm now. I mean, this is what we we're just talking about. Um, you're saying over half the teams you work with are distributed and dispersed. And oh no. no, 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 <laughs> over half of all teams yeah worldwide yeah <clears throat> are distributed and dispersed yeah. and right now with the coronavirus um that's going to go up fears oh it's uh, it's probably closer to three quarters if not more and it's funny yeah. that i i mean i understand when you read stuff like you know twitter saying we're actually going to push everyone outside the organization now um this is not some, this is also something that companies have been thinking about strategically for a long time now. So they're not tied to certain talent pools. So they have greater uh, disaster recovery ability. Um, it's something which maybe is being, was on the cards, but is actually being put into practice a lot sooner than expected. Um, but at the same time, it's not something new. That's what we're saying here. Mm -hmm. um, it's happening now and it's just a case of making it work across those other teams. Um, I noticed. Uh, I noticed you've actually uh, highlighted some key points here. Face-to-face -face conversations and 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 collaborate daily is still question marks. Can you talk through that? So if you if you don't have your camera on, if you don't if you don't have a camera, mm. if you 
don't use video in some way, you are not able to have a face-to-face -face conversation. Yep. So we, we happen to be using Zoom. We could be using almost any other tool. Yep. Almost all the collaboration tools have cameras. Mm -hmm. We have our cameras on. You can but, see, um, and yet, you yet will see my eyes roll. <laughs> right. So I, I have clients who use other tools, and by default, the cameras are turned off. Yes. So I don't see how you have a face-to-face -face conversation there. Mm, mm. And, and the amount of the amount of cues from body language that we miss out on, the amount of depth of knowledge and information that we miss out on, we don't do that. Yep. Right. And yeah. I, I was just I was just looking at my calendar based on what Johanna was saying. And before this, I've had one, two, three, four, five such meetings with participants going from anywhere from five to 40. Mm -hmm. All on camera, all yep. just like this. Yep. Uh, most of them were Zoom conversations, and and a wide variety of of purposes and agendas. But yeah, and people really across multiple continents and time zones. I I, I just hang on this just a little bit because the amount of organized people who default to saying no, I don't want to be on camera. I feel shy. I don't want to. It's 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 amazing. Um, but I guess it just becomes a team agreement. Say, so, hey, when we talk, no, this is just the way this is. We have our cameras on. So poor Mark has listened to me whine <laughs> that I have that I've had a bad hair day. I had that with one and, of my staff. Yep, she said the same and thing. And he just he listens and he he smiles and he says, "It's okay." Yep. Or you you actually say something nice mm. that um allows me to think, okay it's fine <laughs> i try i try yeah but if it's so funny that people get nervous about being on camera where if they're sitting in an office they have Correct. eyes on them all the time from different yep. directions yep and, and i don't care how high your cue balls are people are watching you yeah you know, they're so I, I figured this out early on and it's like, you know, I really prefer to have that control over my space. Yeah. Now, I, I, you know, the audience couldn't have seen this, but you, you all saw me muting because my, my wife was just walking up and down the hall as, as we were talking here, but that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. as long as I have that control over my audio, over the door. Um, and I've, I've told many people, including Johanna, you know, if, if my family walks in the door, they're going to get introduced. They know that's yeah. my working agreement with them. Yeah, yeah. It's not go away. It's no, I'm introducing you to everybody on, on this call. So yeah. for yeah. some reason, my kids stay out of the room when I, when, <laughs> I, when I do that. It's funny. We're kind of bumping into a lot of topics very early, but um, uh, the idea that um, you're going to just share a lot of your space and it becomes very personal where you are is, is, is really, really important. Um, I've seen that in a lot of organizations before where they say, well, they encourage you to, you know, where do you work every day? Show us your backyard, show us you. They want to know mm -hmm. more than just the person on the screen. But um, uh, it kind of also bumps into the other topic of having that work from, if it's a home environment, we call it work from anywhere, but it's not just you in your pajamas. It's actually work yeah. as well. And if you mm -hmm. don't want to turn on your, your camera because you're working in your pajamas every day and you're at the kitchen table, you know, we need to work on that because th these are real work environments which require mm -hmm. and, and real work mindsets, which everyone needs to work in, to buy into. 
Right. So, you know, what you wear to be face to face at work mm. is important. So for me, I try to have a collared shirt on at least. So yep. that way I feel like I'm at work. Yep. Uh, if I'm working by myself, I'm just, I am kicked back because I can't. Yeah. But if I, if I'm collaborating, I want to, I want to kind of be in, in work mode. Yep. So it's not just setting the environment, it's setting my kind of personal attitude in, in how I'm engaging with others online. Agreed. Okay. So um, <clears throat> do you want to talk us this through this slide, uh, Mark? Sure. Uh, so whether an Agile team can be online or not, people have to really make sure they know what it means to be an Agile team. Yeah. So do they have all the necessary skills and capabilities within the team? Do they have a common goal? That's, that's sometimes I find often missing on the team. They're, they're working on things, mm -hmm. but they have no idea how those things tie together. Um, you know, are they, are they interdependent or do they tend to work solo? So we're, we're always emphasizing that a natural team will always be working together, working together to tackle the problems because that's faster. It's more efficient. Yep. Johanna, did you want to add to that? No, you keep going. Keep going. Okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing before you become a distributed agile team, make sure you're an agile team. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're just going to. Uh, do you find find this amplifies, or it, the, the, being a distributed team, it amplifies uh, the behaviors that you're already seeing? If everyone was located. So, a little bit of of the opposite, yeah. and we say this in the book. If if you have a distributed team that works okay online, when you start applying agile practices, that gets better because it emphasizes communication, it emphasizes yes. collaboration. Yeah. So like uh, also on the slide here about learning to understand each other, you, an agile team will look at what are each other's strengths and weaknesses and, and how can we help each other with those as we work together on certain things? Or maybe I want to build up new skills. And I know that uh, Tom next to me has certain skills, Mary uh, uh, in, in the, the next virtual cubes to speak has, has skills and yeah. I can work with them to build up my skills. Yeah. So it's not just skills, but also um, how they prefer to work and what goals they, they personally have in being part of that team. So if all the team members understand that, they can work together to kind of build each other up as, as an Agile team. Yeah. And, and notice that a couple of these bullets are all about collaborating and working together. Yeah. And an Agile team works together. Not right. one person takes this piece, another person takes that piece. They, even if they take separate pieces of the same story, they work together on the story. Yeah. One thing that well, the reason I ask that question is because it's becoming what's jumping out at me that if, if you're a team that doesn't like each other and doesn't communicate well, this will shine a light on it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You're, <laughs> well, you're, well, you're not a team. <laughs> you're, exactly. You're exactly. But you're a collection of individuals who happen to be in the same building or the same yeah. floor at the same time versus a real team is what you're talking about. And when we actually put people in different places and they're not willing to reach out, turn on the video you know, maybe write down asynchronous communication, things like that, you'll clearly see that these people aren't, uh, don't have that heart investment in working together. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I know that there's other remote pundits and remote sites that talk about uh, asynchronous is the way to go. You yep. don't have to work collaboratively. I don't know how you build complex products without collaborating on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I really don't. Uh, so, so having, having this ability to be agile and collaborative together, that's what gives your distributed team that, that advantage. Got it. Got it. Okay. But you've outlined eight principles, not practices, uh, mm -hmm. that, that you think really, really well, if adopted, advance your team towards being able to work effectively in that remote way that you were just talking about. Um, and I, we have, I, I won't go through them now because we're going to go through them one at a time. So we'll just jump onto our first one, which is to establish acceptable hours of overlap, which is, I think is a really interesting topic because it has very real world ramifications. So a lot of people used to talk about time zones yep. and we talk about hours of overlap. And if you yep. think about what does a distributed agile team need? And I actually think almost any team needs this. If you have a minimum of four hours of overlap where you can ask each other questions, yep. you can collaborate, you can, you can understand the work. You can, you can probably succeed. More than eight hours of overlap means too many people are working overtime. Yep. Fewer than three hours means you don't have enough collaboration time. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to the next slide, this is a bubble chart. And if you, um, if you look at the hours of overlap, you can see there's, there's like none, mm -hmm. right? If you have GMT plus three and GMT minus eight, you've got 11 hours difference. Yeah. So the people in Minsk and the people in Vancouver do not have an opportunity to collaborate. This is a real team, yeah. right? This is from re my real teaching experience. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the next slide, Mark, I, I want you to talk about this. Sure. So this is where a team can map out those hours of overlap. Uh, and also talk about their their work preferences. So, for instance, in the the upper left uh, chart, you see Dave there. He likes to come in fairly early, eight o'clock in the morning. Yep. And uh, he he um, takes a, a little bit of a longer lunch, and he's also committed to some other projects, some other efforts. That's what the yellow mm -hmm. in that indicates. So he's not available to this team uh, in the, in the yellow periods. And, and you see others that come in later, some that have voluntarily time shifted. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you look along that bottom line of that upper table, the more green yep. that the, the overlap is means the better the overlap. So in some cases, they're 100% overlap. That means the whole team can come together. And, and whether it's planning or reviewing the work or doing some collaborative design session, whatever they need. Those are the best times for that. Other times where you see some of the lower percentages, like 86 or 71%, that's maybe where some of the team members can pair up and, and, and work together that way. So yep. not the whole team can get together, but parts of the team can get together. Yeah. However, for some teams, that may not work as well. So that bottom chart that you see is where some of the team members shifted their times. Mm -hmm. So you can see where Dave 
he's still got those two hours, but he shifted it to later in his day. So more of his overlap is available for this team. And you see yep. that there's now, uh, what, four columns that are 100%. So there's four hours where the entire team is available. And there's still a good amount of time where parts of the team can, can work together. Yep. And notice that this is all in the Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. This is, again, a real team. Yep. It's literally where they are. So if you look at the time zone, you think 100% possible overlap. No, nope. no, because everyone is different and everybody needs to um, have a workday that works for them. Yeah, you're really getting, to, as I said before, some important concepts, which actually bump into HR and, and all these kinds of things. So, and, and just new ways of working. So we're talking about basically flexible work arrangements, working when it's good for the team, when it's good for you, um, and, and rather than just a strict nine to five that you might see in some contracts out there. Right, because if you're, if you're in, a, in a management role or a subject matter expertise role, which could be Dave in this chart or Polly in this chart, yeah. you're gonna be spread across multiple things and how do, you, how do you juggle that time so this team gets the most of your time? But also, I mean, the, the hard question here for anyone who's in a senior management leadership role would say, well, to have these hours of low overlap, does that mean I can only hire in certain locations? Well, yes, if you want an agile team. Yep. I mean, you don't have to have an agile team. Yep. There are other life cycles that work well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, but if you want continuous innovation, mm-hmm. if you want continuous discovery and delivery, that you get that best with an agile team. Yep. So no, if you want to hire someone in China and someone in Vietnam and someone in India and someone in Germany and someone in Boston and someone in Denver and someone in California, no, no, you can't do it. Understood. Uh, unless they're willing to move their hours around and actually create those hours of overlap, but that could mean and, we don't want and to we know, at 3 a.m. in the yeah. morning. Yeah. We know some teams that do that. I, as soon as you have um, significant others and children, that becomes quite difficult. Yes. Because mm-hmm. children especially, um, I'm going to say this word and you guys will have to help me fix it, <laughs> shackle you to normal hours. Right? Yeah, yeah. I love my children. I'm also thrilled that they are out of the house. Regulate you to. Oh, <laughs> regulate you too. That's a much better thing. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Yeah. Now you know how how we work. I say something stupid, yep. he fixes me. Okay. I'm yeah. sure the other way back as well, but. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, that 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 was the crux of my question. I was getting at because there is a shift towards in a lot of organizations saying you create your hours, you do your flexibility, but there's a limit to that. We need we need yeah. to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, Got it. Okay. So the ways to find more hours. Uh, so basically someone takes a, an ambassador role of, of uh, facilitating that, that conversation with everyone really sounds like it comes down to a team agreement, uh, splitting of roles. So the same role being done in maybe the AM or the PM. I don't know uh, how much we can really do those just as we've talked about, but certainly it means that we can provide redundancy backup or extend the reach of that role across more hours in the day. Um, time shifting, one person changes time zones to be valuable, which is what we just talked about. But again, 
you know, we want to make sure that we're allowing people to uh, be there for the other people in their life, being their friends, partners, etc. And time splitting. One person works early, takes breaks, works late, and bridges the time zone between team members. Is that typically when you're saying here one person, it's one person on the team kind of, is that thread across a lot of the team members? Is that what we're saying? So, so we, we both, um, we, we, our, our warning bells both go off around the time splitting. Yeah. Because the, the one phrase that gets forgotten is the take a break. Yes. Because there's many instances that I've seen and, and I know Johanna has even more stories of this where somebody might, get up very early to to work with the team and then they're expected to come into the office work a full day yeah and then they're supposed to meet uh also later in the evening with with another the team or a completely yep. different team yep. uh, johanna do you have a you have a wonderful story around this oh god yes i i used to work out at the gym with somebody who did exactly this yep. um supposed to be doing marathons and stuff and he was exhausted all the time i finally said to him you're being uh, insane this is lunacy yeah. this is not reasonable to expect this of you i mean i i'm not training for a marathon or triathlon or whatever it is he was training for but i'm i'm human I need my sleep. Yeah. It's stupid that they want you to do this he did this for two years and he finally quit Okay. And that's the point. At the end of the day, you are going to burn people out if you go, go down that path. But I think it's also, yeah. I think it's a give and take. Um, I, we've said, I think it's important people to know that, especially in their home environment, there's a shutdown time, you know, put it away, go to another room, do whatever, go for a walk, but you know, don't just let things extend, have a hard shutdown time unless absolutely necessary. Um, so you can actually maintain that level of, um, uh, don't just have work turning into another office. So don't having home turn into another office. It's got to have boundaries. Right. It's um, well, I can, I can share this now because the, the movie, so it's like Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Rogers, when he came in, he always kind of put on his jacket. His, yeah, exactly. Put, put on his sweater, took off yeah. his business jacket. Yeah. Uh, but he was, he was switching his role. He's making yeah. it very visible. Working remote, it's it's the same way. So it's closing the laptop. It's stepping away from that separate desk or even separate office. Yeah. Uh, and and not bringing the laptop with you into the kitchen. That's not. Yeah. That's not the thing to do. Uh, so it's and, it's, it's really also getting the that separation. End. Yeah, it's all the yeah. other end. It's not staying in your pajamas when you go to work. That's what we we're talking right. about before. So yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So number two, create transparency at all levels, um, meaning that information can't be siloed. It can't be hidden away. Um, right. just as we were talking about before, this kind of maybe, uh, shines a light on what kind of organization you actually are. If, even if you're in the office information, it's not visible, it's not findable, it's not searchable. It's, this is going to just, uh, magnify that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, you yeah, go ahead. So the sweet spot is really this full product transparency and even between teams, right? If you are all working on a product, um, whether you're marketing or another feature team or something else, I, I need to be able to know what's going on for you in your team so I can do, I can make best possible decisions for our product. 
So it's not because I'm a busybody, although I personally am. Yep. It's it's because I need to be able to know what's going on so I can I can do my best work. This need to know is very high in software product yeah. development. Would you say the test of this this point is that I can find the information without having to ask you where it is? Is that a good idea? That's that's a very good litmus test there. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. great. And this comes back to how we structure our, our wikis, how we, you know, use descriptive names on our projects, not project X. So. <laughs> do do you have a do you have a good internal search engine or one that's so so and you get garbage back when you try to search for something in particular? And maybe even do you have a good onboarding procedure where people clearly understand yes. what tools you use for what and yeah. and team norms, that kind of thing. Okay, great. Awesome. That makes sense. Uh, next, we have create a culture of continuous improvement with experiments. And that's uh, clearly where co comparative agility really you know, uh, resonates with, with this. But uh, is it, how does this differ from um, the actual you know, continuous improvement experiment that you expect in just uh, centralized agile teams? Does it change in any way? So, well, so there's when you when you have people starting with agile whether they're co-located distributed the the by the book approach can be oh we're going to make changes in our perspective so this yep. is when we come to the retrospective we're going to see what works what doesn't we'll make changes yeah there's nothing in agile that says that's the only time you can make changes you yep. can set experiments really at any time and yep. in a remote environment that is not not only a survival approach but a success approach for being remote you have to be willing to experiment all the time um, as you get a new team member and maybe they're uh. slightly off of the hours of overlap what will the team do what experiment will everyone else time shift will they time split that's up to the team to decide that what yeah. that experiment is and to find that and to run it for a certain period of time yeah. So you can be very formal with that. You can be a little bit more loose, which is sort of that middle ground you see in the slide there versus the, the, the far right. But the idea is those that are, that are impacted by the change should be included in planning and executing the experiment because nobody wants to be a lab rat. No, they don't want to be experimented on. They want to experiment with you. Yeah. So make sure you include all those folks that would be impacted by the change. Yeah. And and set a set a time frame that you're you're going to try this for and say, all right, we're going to try this. Not this is the change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which some teams. Which which lends itself to the ultimate thing, where if you're experimenting on or with the team, they've got to be able to say, sorry, this isn't working. Wind yep. it back. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you go to the next slide, we actually have pictures of boards where we, we actually tell a story in the book about how one team started with a scrum board, which was not sufficient for what, for their needs. Not that the scrum board is bad. Yep. They needed to see where their work was. They eventually, they experimented with the board on the left and then moved to the board on the right with work in progress limits. That's yep. WIP. Right. Yep. And, yep. and the reason, and if you can go down to one more slide, the reason this worked for them is they use cycle time yep. to guide their experiments. Mm -hmm. so we don't have to talk to this value stream map, but if you have 
a distributed agile team, actually, if you have any distributed team, you, the team needs to look at their cycle time. How long does it take us to finish work? So it's yep. really on God done. And um, if you're not doing something like cycle time, it's really hard to know what's going on. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. I think it's something that can maybe go un, unappreciated is as little like wait times between steps that really in a, in a distributed team, in a global team can actually extend your cycle time enormously if you don't keep an eye on it. And I guess that's where a lot of your previous points around making sure you have hours of overlap and um, all that kind of stuff is to make sure that you're not falling into that trap. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to see a lot of really great uh, practical, well, I'm always seeing a lot of practical ideas and how they really map straight back to um, the, a lot of the agile core principles and, and, and the flow of work, the, the, the collaboration, the getting to done. It's fantastic to hear all this. So the fourth uh, uh, point you've got here is practice pervasive communication all levels. Um, this sounds a lot like transparency, but um, it's it's really it's it's interesting that uh, when I did talk when I do talk to people about how this all works, you have to interview almost when you bring someone on board. Interview for communication skills. Interview for um, you know sh how they share information as much as their coding or design skills or whatever it is. Right, and as part of that, and and why this principle is separate from the the other is. Do you realize when you have an important message to put out there and are there maybe multiple ways you need to put it out there? Do you need to put it out in chat? Do you need to bring it up in a meeting? Yep. Do you need to put it up on the wiki so people hear the message? And especially if it's something critical, like we're now going to pivot this product or this entire product line. You yep. want to make sure everybody's with you on that pivot. Yeah. And so, especially in leadership role, having that pervasive communication, uh, but not over communicating, because if you have if you have too much of that repetitious uh, communication, it kind of drowns things well, out. Yeah, so it's choosing yeah. the right the right messages. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And and sometimes communication really depends on your team type. So if you can go to the next slide, please, Simon. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The satellite team, the bulk of the people are in one office and then there's one or maybe two people at another location and and this picture has uh, person six at location three. If you do not plan to over communicate or at least communicate enough, persons two and six wonder what the heck happened, Yeah. right? We understood everything up until Wednesday night. Then the team went out for drinks or they turned off their camera because yep. it was late in the day and they made a decision and we don't know. We come back in on Thursday and everything is different. Yeah. So this is, this is why, so satellite teams really need this pervasive communication. If you go to the next slide. Cluster teams are, are interesting because this is persons one and two at, at one location, um, persons four and five at another location, and persons three and six at yet a third location. Yep. So if if one so if person one is the product owner 
and that person talks to person two and they decide something and they don't bring everybody in with them. Yeah. So, um, and then maybe you can go to the Nebula team because that's what we are. We are a, a dispersed team literally now. Yeah. Mark, do you want to take this? Sure. The, so this, these are teams that weren't as common 10 years ago, but now are, are much more common. So this, this is the um, uh, buffer.com. This is automatic that builds WordPress. So GitLab, these are yeah. GitLab. Yeah. They're all work from home. They're all separate, but that equalizes the communication and what's capable. So they know that with everyone being remote, they have to be very deliberate in their communication especially anything that's important to the rest of their team. They have to yep. make sure certain information's captured in whatever their repository is or goes out in the proper chat channel. So that's, that's where the Nebula has, that type of team has changed things quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of have an idea that in, 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 in a centralized office scenario though, that you, a lot of information gets distributed by people bumping into each other in the hallway, you know, he's talking to each other in the kitchen, et cetera. When we talk about the, I think I'll go back to the previous slide, um, pervasive communication. Is it a matter of kind of what you talked about as having that same information bumping into people in various tools? So yes, you have to do a little bit in chat, have to do a little bit on the wiki, have to do a little bit on email, just to make sure that at some point the person's going to see right. that in their so normal daily flow. Right, so going back to your point uh, around onboarding or, or what we refer to as integration, yep. when, you're, when you're integrating that person into the team, you wanna make sure they're in the right channels. Yep. So are they in um, the company channel where all the company messages happen? Are they in the team channel? Uh, are they in the, the engineering yeah. channel if there's like a general the engineering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what kind of, key information goes about either through a mail mail list group or certain channels and yep. in chat and you need you want to check that those people coming in new have access to that information so i guess it's a part of the integration to give people a clear understanding of this kind of information goes down this channel this kind of information goes down this channel so right. they know where to look when they're looking for yes. that do you find that people though just tend not to look in 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 channels and then claim Oh, wait a minute, I don't know what's going on. So, so yes, that can happen. Yep. Go to and, the next slide. Because <laughs> yeah. it uh, most often happens here yep. in the siloed and nebula. Okay. okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going for it. Okay, so, <laughs> so when, when you uh, have specialties within your team so we're we're mostly talking about software teams in this case so you yep. you might have a front-end developer and a back-end developer and they each report to different managers or you have a, a database administrator or your devops person each of them reporting to different managers well the traditional mindset is i have to optimize this person's time as a manager so they get so these different uh, people on the development team get these side tasks. And so they pulled a little bit more toward what their manager wants than yep. what the team needs to get okay. work done. Yep. So, so that's, and, and the rest of the team ends up getting surprised like, well, why wasn't this done? Or why are you working on this? Yep. Okay. And, and this may also come to the case where little 
private chats start to form where it's like, yes, uh, you know, it's just me. It's just one, two and six. And a lot of communication decisions are being made where rather than being made in the public channels of some sort of chat software or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Where uh, on, on a, a better side of this, if you have a single product owner or product manager or I don't care if you call it coach or scrum master working with the team there, when they hear some of those important messages, they might ask the team kind of getting back to your original question. Did you happen to hear about this change that's happening? Yep. Just you know, Again, making certain communication very pervasive and, and echoing it out to make sure that important information sticks. Got it. Okay. Uh, rich natural communications. Obviously, we need uh, to make sure that we already talked about this: cameras on, body language, all those kinds of things. Uh, being being a, a fluent and uh, willing writer is always a good thing. Being able to create those communications in a clear and concise way, which is, um, but uh, overall, get the information to the people uh, in the right places and let them and, and let information be free. Don't let it be siloed up like we're talking. Okay, so this is a really, really good one, which I've used myself uh, a lot, is just assume good intent. So it's, um, there's a picture of the satire congruence model, which is how you balance yourself, the other person, and the context. Yep. And when we are congruent, we are, we, we, all of them are in balance, we can assume good intention. And yep. yeah, sometimes... Some of us go directly to blame. Something yes. happens, and and we we blame the other person. Or, I've never seen that happen, by the way. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, only only all the time. And, it depends on our blood sugar usually, but you know, <laughs> well, or, close, or closer to the end of the week. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I get to swear on Fridays, so, <laughs> um, but but placating other people is just as bad as blaming. Yes, because that that means. You you are you take yourself out of the equation. When you blame, you take the other person out. But when you placate, you take yourself out. There are other stances, but we we see the placating and the blaming a lot. And especially it's you can if you if you only have asynchronous written communication, you do not hear the music where you, you only see the words. So yeah. you need some form of other rich and natural communication to make sure you can assume good intent. Yeah, understood. I really, when I see this, I I lift out of it that that what we see in other uh, theories around productive conflict and on the left, we on when we placate others, we just shy away from all the really important decisions and conversations that need to happen on the right. We're walking into it with a, uh, a, you know, brass knuckles on adversarial attitude. Um, but in the middle is that productive conflict that, 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 that mm-hmm. where I assume you want to, uh, we, we all, I assume we all want this to be a successful, vibrant, happy workplace, but there's right. some clear, you know, grappling that needs to be done for us to get there. Um, yeah. So this we is why this is so We want to do the best, we want to do the best thing for the team or the best yeah. thing for the customers. So and we may disagree opinions, how, do we, how do we come at that? Yeah. Yeah, and we may disagree at some point, but we're going to commit and support each other on that decision and, 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 right. and take it through. So I, I can't under, I think this is one of the most important, especially in in the tyranny of distance. It's easy for it to say they do this, they do that, especially mm-hmm. if, even if it's a, um, t- a level of structure within the organization or 
horizontally, oh, that marketing team or you know that sales team. So important to assume good intent to create that that level of uh, leaning in, wanting to learn, but also productive conflict, like we just talked about. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next one is create a project rhythm, um, which uh, is it, it seems quite quite ingrained inside the whole agile concept. Right. So, and most people assume this means a time box and okay. it, it can, Yeah. but it doesn't necessarily have to be a time box. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, as you see on the slide, we were talking about the, the concept of cadence does not necessarily mean iteration. Ah, so not gotcha. everything fits in two weeks. Yep. You might do planning every three weeks. You might do bug triage weekly. It just depends on what is the flow of the particular kind of work and what does the team agree to do to handle that? So there could be different cadences based on the different types of work that the team has to handle. Mm -hmm. And that's where, where you get teams that are more in a state of flow. They, they may not have, they may have all kinds of cadences and a strict iteration just would not work for them. Yep. Strict time box just constrains them. Yep. Does this really have a lot to do with, are there any nuances of this which come into distributed teams specifically? Um, so I, I think that with distributed teams, especially if you're tracking your cycle time, yep. you, can, you can get your cycle time down, right? Re reduce it so that it makes sense. And um, batch planning, for as for an iteration does not always make sense mm -hmm. for a team who's really in flow. So if you go to the next slide, yeah. um, what we, uh, one of clients that is more of a satellite team says, we will, we will plan, well, we will do a demo every Wednesday morning of everything we have finished since the last Wednesday morning. And they decide what time Wednesday morning, that means, yep. right? They are mostly in a couple of time zones in the US. Yep. Um, so they, that cadence, everyone is, is uh, invited. Everyone is able to go to the demo. That's a cadence, but mm -hmm. they, they start and finish work in retrospect. Uh, they use little kaizens almost every day. They often, um, when they have, finished enough and i'm using quotes there because they decide what enough is yep. they do a full retrospective so the retrospective is not on a cadence they tend to plan a couple of times during the week they often plan on mondays in the afternoon and they plan on thursdays after the product owner has the information back from the people and has integrated the information from the people who watch the demos. Yep. So a lot of teams would say, plan on Monday and Thursday. Why would you do that? Well, if you have really small stories, you can do that. And yep. if you're trying to update the roadmap on a reasonably frequent basis, you would have, we want, we want to try this bet for this kind of a customer, right? We, we need all of these possibilities depending on the kind of team you have. Yep. And, and another thing that was kind of subtle in what Johanna said is some of the types of work might have a few different types of cadences. So yep. she mentioned Kaizen's. So I, I have some teams that will do weekly 
mini retrospectives or kaizens for very small things they want to change. Yeah. But they'll do the retrospectives once they have a couple of larger issues they know they can't talk about in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. So that's where they'll, they'll, that's when they queue up the retrospective. So that idea of reflection has two different types of uh, cadences almost. Yeah. And, and one is not even a regular cadence. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's kind of where platforms like Comparative Agility actually do help because you have those little weekly ones, but then you have larger, maybe quarterly or monthly kind of themes that continue on that you really want to put a lot of energy and focus on. Right. Okay, great. So this number point seven was create resilience with a holistic culture. Um, if we understand everyone else's context, we can create more a resilient team. So what kind of resilience will we want to, what will we want to recover from in this context? So, uh, for instance, you might have a pandemic that you're dealing with. <laughs> so, no way. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would never happen. Uh, so, this is this is where, uh, and and some of this, some of this is personal preference, and some of this is cultural. Yeah, and what people are willing to share about their their personal context in their work environment, uh, but if if team members can share enough uh, that the other team members understand, for instance, like I have somebody sick at home, I need to go take care of, yep. or yep. I'm not feeling well, I'm, I'm going to work for an hour or two and then I need to shut down for a while and I'll work later tonight. I have teams that do that yeah. all the time now. Um, it, it, it's totally up to the team. It's, yep. it's totally up to the team. They make that visible and they make their work visible so they know their team members are working. They just kind of have a little irregular schedule right now, but they also know the they have a not rough idea of what the family schedule is. They know yep. when somebody picks up the, the kids or walks the dog or something like that. And, and that, that also becomes interesting parts of each other. So if we were co-located, I'd have pictures on my desk. Yeah. It's the same kind of idea. You'd learn a little bit about my personal context. Uh, but it also goes back to what we were saying before about if you also understand the goal for the person being on the team. So are they on the team to pick up certain skills mm -hmm. or are they looking for some type of management experience and, and is there a possibility for them leading some effort within the team? Once the, the team understands some of that and they talk about that as a group, the team can look out for each other and for those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So accounting for privacy, is it usually always the case that the more you know about your team member, the more empathic and more successful the team will be? I'm not sure if I would say that because mm -hmm. there's a lot. I mean, Mark and I have been working together for a couple, almost two years now, and there's a lot about each other's context we don't know. But there's a lot about each other's context that we do know. Mm -hmm. So we even with my big mouth, there are things I don't share, yeah, yeah. which I'm sure surprises Mark no end. Um, but when, when we have weather here or Mark has weather there yep. and right, cause we have written through blizzards and hurricanes. Mm -hmm. So, but we, we both knew um, there was one time when we were writing, when I was in a blizzard, when I said to him, the lights have flickered already. You know, if I drop off, check your text. 
because I can still text you. Yeah. That's our back channel. Yeah. Um, and, and we can figure out what to do. So I think it's really important to say, um, it's not so much that I really like fish for dinner, but that um, what is my context for my work? And are yep. there any things that would prevent us from working together productively? Yeah. Okay. That, that's yeah. very, very clear. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference between that left and right hand side. Cause yep. sometimes you have some teammates that share way too much personal information <laughs> and, and that's not productive either. So. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. Okay. Understood. Um, the eighth point is to default to collaboration. Uh, so whenever we, and this comes back to your point about agile teams, um, uh, it's almost, it should be your default to make sure that you're inclusive when you're, when you're working on something. So a lot of, uh, if you remember back at that very first couple of slides, we had the question mark in face-to-face -face communication and the question mark in collaboration. Yep. We are able, so for example, Mark and I co-wrote this book, this entire book together, pair writing, right? Mm -hmm. We paired yep. on everything. Um, once, once Mark informed me about layers, we actually did the pictures, um, solo but then we got together and and reviewed them yeah. so i think it's really important we are capable of pairing and swarming and mobbing on the work as a team and the more we default to collaboration especially the more dispersed we are the more likely we are to have a successful agile team yep yeah yeah and in the the example of us writing the book could we have divided up chapters or sections and written those sure we could have yeah. it would have sounded like at least two books instead yeah. of one. yeah that was that was the one thing that we realized is the the book had one voice and it was much better with the two of us working together on every sentence i want to dive into this a little bit more because i think it's something that I, I i personally feel um is one of the most successful things we can do in the modern technology is that well, the reality is that, you know, when, when I'm writing something, it's easy to say, actually had the situation yesterday, let's all just jump into the spreadsheet and put all our bits in there and mm -hmm. the, 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 the body of work will form. Um, but when we have something like a story, we're saying, you know, I take the story off. Are we, in what, in this point are we saying it's better for us to have two or two, at least two people looking at it, working together to create that, 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 that value quickly. Mm -hmm. So you know about um, test-driven development yep. and behavior-driven and acceptance test-driven. Mm -hmm. All of that is about being able to see the big picture with examples yep. of the code. So if you think about pairing as a way to do review, especially if we're also willing to do any of our test-driven whatever, yep. right, using all these TDDs, um, we are, we are much more likely to actually get something faster that works that we can get feedback on. Yep. So the faster we get the feedback, the faster we know, did we do the right thing? Yeah. Maybe we didn't, maybe we need to change it in some way, but that's, if we work alone, we, t uh, maybe I, I will just speak for myself. When I work alone and I work for a long time, I own this thing. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. I'm not that happy about yeah, feedback. Very good point. Yeah, but if I work with other people, it's not mine, it's ours. Yes. And I we are and especially the shorter the time we work on it, the more likely we are to accept and encourage feedback. Yes. I was actually that those words were popping out of my mind as you said them. It's not mine, it's ours. That's yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, okay, and point nine we have oh no, eight points. Sorry, that was that's what we were talking about. So it was just the next slide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We wanted we wanted to make sure that this was recapped so people could see it. Yeah, so let's actually recap it now. So establish acceptable hours of overlap. Um, make sure that your teams are actually able to work collaboratively as we just talked about, but also visually uh, with each other in real time, um, which does require you to have up, you know, uh, optimally four hours of overlap per day. So there's enough time for deep work versus enough time for co collaborative work. Um, create transparency to all levels, make sure that um, with the information is free that people can find information and uh, that it's not, and this is a thing you want to make it. I think the old saying is um, slow to bad, easy to good. Like you want to make sure that it's not hard for people to find the information. Otherwise they're going to, this is going to be a, a quick barrier for them to say too hard. I'll try something else. Right. Create a culture of continuous improvement with experiments. And I really liked, I think the clarification here, which I liked what you were talking about, Mark, was have the team experiment in their ways of working, have the teams yes. uh, experiment in how we work as much as what we build. Um, and I think uh, that's something which I've seen real work really, really, some teams, and I, uh, the only thing I'll say here is that some teams say they tire of the constant tweaks and the constant changes, but I think that becomes a just an accepted way of working over time to say, look, we're going to try something new and we'll see how it goes. And it's only a week to, to experiment between experiments maybe. So well, sometimes an experiment is taking a break from experiments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Um, per practice pervasive communication or levels, making sure that you're using multiple modes, you're, um, you're being clear and concise, but um, making sure that uh, you're, not uh, the way that some people said to me is just over communicate that's the only thing um people will tell you when there's too much communication but i just tend to think that maybe there is a point of over communication where it becomes noise and uh, so it's 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 a fine balance but it's really really important um as i said assuming good intention i if, if personally for me if there's one thing about uh all of these this is the strongest point that you have to not shy away and hide away with your camera turned off and you know working away uh, tirelessly on your own inside your own office assume good intention get out there in any scenario will look seek seek to collaborate and to make sure that you're keeping in contact with people um, create a project rhythm in i think this is also one of those things which seems like just common sense but one thing that i'm getting across all of these is that you've got to put time and effort into the common sense stuff um and because if you don't there's this entropy in distributed teams where people just fall apart um mm -hmm. so making sure that you're actually having those project rhythms having those meeting rhythms having those delivery rhythms and, and sticking to them is really really important to keeping the momentum of the team going um creating culture of resilience where we um uh, uh we understand that what goes into the work for every single person in their personal context uh, things that affect their work 
um, uh, whether that's weather, as you were talking about. I haven't had my first blizzard yet, uh, Johanna, but maybe one day soon. Um, we've had bushfires. That's good enough, right? So oh, <laughs> yeah. that qualifies. Yeah. <laughs> that qualifies. Excellent. But having that clear understanding, it's kind of coming back to that assumed good intention. Um, Johanna, sorry, she was offline for two hours yesterday. You know, assume good intention. Maybe there was a power outage. Maybe there was a flood. Yeah. Something like that. So you know, we'll, let's let's go check in on her, text her, make sure everything's okay. Right. Um, I think I really love that one because it really speaks to the care we have of each other, um, uh, especially when it's as I said, it's so easy to to uh, be the tyranny of distance from from everyone else. We need to actually care for our team members. In, in a emotional as well as you know work context mm -hmm. make sure mm -hmm. they have what they need to do their work and be successful so we can be successful as well and then always default to collaborative work like we are now like we're on this call we're, we're collaborating around this podcast i think it's really really important to make sure that we're again drawing the team in and creating that that, that massive energy as opposed to having it distribute across the internet okay. So these, it's, 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 it's a fantastic uh, body of work, which um, I'm really happy we've been able to go through. Um, it really exemplifies agile, just good team, uh, good team norms and team interactions, but how we actually do that in, an, in a distributed environment is really going to be the test that we see over the next couple of months to see how successful teams are in being able to uh, integrate this into their being. But one thing I wanted to underline here is that it takes practice. Um, oh, it doesn't happen yeah. overnight. Do you have any advice for us there? So take these eight principles and say, um, assuming that you can establish acceptable hours of overlap, which one do you want to try? Which one do you want to experiment with mm. this week or this iteration or, or this month? And say, how do we get good at this? Mm. What 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 do we have to do as a team to really get good at this? Yeah, and that's why on on the slides for each principle, it shows up as a spectrum. So there's yes. there's there may be a sweet spot, but it might be different for each team. So it's really up to the team to kind of grade themselves on on those spectrums for for each principle and say, all right, where where do we think our sweet spot is and What's you know what can we experiment toward to test that out? Yeah, I think that's a really really good uh, mindset to look at this as a backlog or so, and actually saying, okay, so what do we want to work on this week, and mm -hmm. and continuously improving, and like we talked about before, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for your time, Johanna and Mark. I think this has been really really enlightening for us and uh, everyone at Comparative Agility. But we ha also have the uh, if you want to improve, we have the Comparative Agility, uh, sorry, the uh, Agile Distributed Teams capability on the comparative agility platform, which people can use to, as we talked about, get better at these things and really understand where they sit on those spectrums. So um, again, it's something that you can run with the whole team and then over time, see how that improves over time to, to make sure that you're becoming one of those amazing agile teams, which uh, Johanna and Mark work with. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you for your time and have a great day. Thanks, Simon. Okay, take thank care. you.